Because the baby's going to be on the district that's tomorrow, and I want to be on the district here. Alright? So, first of all, Jesus Christ is not merely a perfect man. That's not the truth. Nor is Jesus Christ a perfected man who was chosen or adopted by God because of his virtue. That is not the Jesus Christ is also not a God-like figure who shows us how to be like God. That is not the The church teaches very clearly, the Bible teaches very clearly, that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. He is the eternal word of God and this is the second person of the Holy Spirit who became flesh is well among us as fully God. So Jesus is not like God, he's not sort of God, he's not the perfect man, he is God in the flesh. But there's lots of reasons why that's important. I just keep up here and tell Christmas morning talking about that. But I, I want to teach you four words that the church set out because there are a lot of comforts about how we talk about this. And how we understand. Okay? And there was a council in 451, the Council of Calcedon, who gave the Calcedonian definition of how we talk about the two natures of Jesus. And we're going to get that to you this morning, because that's basically the answer to Jesus. Okay? And so the first word, you get the four words, and we'll get into it. It says that Jesus Christ has two natures, right? He has a human nature, he has a divine nature. And that he possesses those two natures in each four ways. Unconfusedly, unchangedly, indivisibly, and inseparably. And those four words are theologically very important. I'm just going to comment briefly on each So, unconfusedly. This means that Jesus possesses a humanity, full humanity, and full divinity. And the fact that he is. He's not sort of man and sort of God. He's not like a third thing, right? He's not like you you put God together, you know, man plus God equals this third thing. No, no, no. He is fully God and he is fully man. He possesses himself completely. Unchangeable. So this is important because Jesus Christ did not absorb his humanity within his humanity. And just take over. It's not like Jesus is not, to this point, a human body possessed by God. That's an idea people have that Jesus as well. It's not as if God simply picked up a kid, oh, a set of kids, and said, okay, I'm going to walk around looking like a person. No. Jesus had a human soul, and a human mind, and a human will. He has everything that is proper to humanity while also possessing everything that is proper to the divinity. Also individuals. He's not like half God and half man. It's not like oil and water and stuff to separate it, right? Jesus possesses his divinity and his humanity inseparably together. And he also does not have a split personality, right? Jesus is not schizophrenic. Like they take one moment he has human thoughts, in the next moment, he has a line up. You see why these conversations are important, though, when I give you certain examples of how we can misunderstand Jesus. 
Now, the reason I tell you all that is because I want to talk about marriage, and I want to present to you the proper understanding of marriage that people get messed up with when they have an improper understanding of Jesus. Mary is the most perfect human being who ever lived. This is why the church honors her. She is the most perfect human disciple and follower of Jesus. Why is that important? Well, people say, well, we can't say that because Jesus was the most perfect human. No. Jesus is the divine person. He's fully God, fully man. He's not merely human. Have I lost him? So Jesus is not the perfect man who was recognized by God and God said, good job. He is God. And his mother is the most perfect disciple and follower of him. And I'm talk about that from the gospel this morning. And so, whenever we have a misunderstanding about Jesus, it's she's our understanding about Mary. And so, first of all, Mary is always presented, what do we call her? The Virgin Mary, right? And why do we call her the Virgin Mary? Ever heard of the church and always thought she gave birth to Christ, right? And gave birth supernaturally. A virgin birth. Christ did not have birth the Father because he already possessed a person, a divine person, right? And he came incarnate at the conception, at the initiation of the Virgin Mary. And it says it, that um, Luke 1 26 and 27, in the sixth month, the ancient Gabriel was sent by the law to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, why is it important that Mary is a virgin? That's the right answer. Now, we simplify this into simply a sexual issue, right? Of course, the supernatural birth of Christ without an earthly father is a sign of his divinity, right? But in regards to the Virgin Mary, it's more than that, because um, our call today says, stir up, O Lord, your power among us. Why? Does anybody remember that looking? Why do we God stir up his power among us? None of you were listening. Not one of you. Okay, we need God to stir up his power among us because we are hindered by our sin. We're sinful, right? And so, it's easy to handle a sin to sexism. Let's just be real about that, right? But that is an easy example of all of our sins, which in the early church are called passion, right? We have to keep the sins for sin within us. We try to be good, but we're not very good at being good. Right? You guys ever have that experience before? We're not very good at being good because we are sinners and we have passions within us. And sometimes that Is Mary is a symbol for what? 
jury and the the tabernacle good that God dwells within. That's good. Also, Mary is presented as the burning bush. Why the burning bush? Because it contains the fire of God, and the scripture says that it was not consumed. Right? And at the ascension, we have here an image of the church. We have Jesus Christ ascended. Below him, we have the apostles and the angels, and who's in the middle of them? Mary. Mary is an image for the perfection that is and will be the church. She has achieved the purity which we hope for. When we pray that God will deliver us from our sins, we pray that we will be like Mary in that rest. That's why we ask for her prayers. And the comparison we give you is from Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without thought or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. And that's how the church is always understood there to be not simply a vehicle by which God brought himself into the world. Right? She's not simply the mother of Jesus. She is the most pure human. And that is why God shows her. And the second thing is to use is that Mary is of the Holy Spirit, or full of grace. Mary is great. It looks something like this. Hail Mary, full of grace. Now, you ever heard that before? Where is that talk from, right? Well, it comes to this. In Luke 1, 28, the angel says to her, so the angel of God, Gabriel, says to Mary, Greetings, O favored one. And all the translation of that would be, Hail, Mary, so hail, or greeting, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. So this translation of favored one, it comes from a cool group where I never thought of saying this, you did this with me at least once a year. Kikara Tonin. Everybody say Kikara Tonin. Great job, right? So that word, it's actually a word that doesn't really exist anywhere other than in the gospel text. And it means to be filled with bread. There's a Latin version of that in the Latin translation of the Bible, the Vulgate. Uh, you may have heard it sung before, Gratia Plena. Alright, you ever heard that? You've heard that. <laughs> okay, so, so the Ave Maria Gratia Plena, that's a translation of this Bible text. Well, what does it mean to be highly favored by God or filled with grace? It means that Mary was preserved by the grace of God in her holiness. So all of us receive a different measure of grace, depending on what we're called to. Right? So I do not have the measure of grace that Tony has, the work she has, carries all the people around her. I would be very good at it. Right? I certainly don't have to raise the bar. You guys, that's why I look real close. You can see the table. Real close at it, right? And so the point is, we are all dependent on God's grace, right? That's why I say, stir up, God, your mighty mama, because we are hindered from our sin. Mary receives, the church is all the time, a special measure of grace from God, so that she could be 